Kamusta and welcome to Delving into Asian Psyches, the podcast in which we investigate the pasts, presents and futures of psychology in the Indo-Pacific. My name is Robin Weber and today I'm joined by Carl Lawrence Cervantes from the Philippines. So let me start by telling you about the researcher featured in this episode. Carl is a senior lecturer at the University of the Philippines and graduated from Ateneo de Manila University where he researched indigenous psychology approaches. He has written several studies in transpersonal, Filipino and parapsychology and just recently written a book about Filipino culture called Deep Roots. He is also very active online, running a podcast, blog and library under the name Sikodiva, which is a portmanteau of psychology and spirit. In this episode we will talk about his country, the Philippines, which is located in Southeast Asia. The island nation is part of the largest archipelago in the world and is home to 113 million people with a diaspora of 10 million on top. Tagalog and English are the official languages, but there are close to 200 being spoken in total. The country is predominantly Christian with a Muslim minority and has a history of colonization under Spain and later the US. Now let's get into the conversation and Carl, I'm very happy that you're here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Right. So to start things off, um, I think we can get into the past for the start and mm-hmm. see how psychology really emerged in the Philippines. Um, if I got it correctly, it started somewhat under the U.S. occupation. Mm-hmm. And why don't you tell us a bit more about that? Okay. So uh, psychology, uh, the word psicología actually comes all the way from the Spanish uh, uh, occupation, from the Spanish colonization era. But uh, it was during the American uh, occupation of the Philippines that uh, academic psychology really came in. And so during that time, also people were really into psychology tests, for example, and people were starting to study human behavior, human culture. So it was also the beginnings of social science, especially here in the Philippines. It, it started really in the universities. So when the Americans brought uh, their you know, psychology in, into the Philippines, it's, uh, it started with the academies, the, the universities, where it was being taught by English speakers. And so when you speak in English, when you, when you educate someone, uh, the values of this language, the values of the culture that holds this language also brings with them uh, the ideologies, the ideas, the concepts that come from that culture through the language. So uh, when the Filipino scholars, who were, who were most of them trained abroad, came back to the Philippines and started really going out into the barrios, the, the little villages, the rural areas, and started uh, communicating with the uh, communities there, they realized that a lot of the things that have been taught in the universities or a lot of the ways that the Americans or largely the foreigners tried to understand Philippine culture was not exactly aligned with how it really was, especially in these communities. And so the the movement started uh, somewhere in the 70s called Psicología Filipino, 
which means Philippine psychology. But Psikolohi and Pilipino is not one movement. It's a, it's a, it has multiple approaches. We, we uh, approach culture through language, through values, through art, through medicine, especially folk medicine. And so all these approaches look into the indigenous ways through which people in this archipelago express themselves and express their psyche. And today, uh, it's, it's just so interesting because today, now that we're becoming more globalized and more connected internationally, a lot of these things, a lot of these concepts uh, are getting somewhat mixed up also within the more, shall we say, you know, universal ideas of uh, psychology that is generally accepted across cultures. But it's a very important narrative to consider where we are now, uh, seeing where we came from before. My point is that now uh, we are still uh, doing that same kind of thing, only in a more practical way. But I suppose to summarize everything that I've said, it really is just that there was that question, you know, uh, about whether foreign researchers or foreign scholars understood us in the right way. And so uh, Filipino scholars took it upon themselves to study the Philippine experience through the Filipino, through the everyday life of the Filipino. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. And if I saw that right, it also took quite a while also after independence to build this uh, movement with many branches. Uh, perhaps you can also deepen that a little bit. How was the process of establishing a whole new psychology in mm -hmm. the Philippines? Yeah. No, the thing is that I'm, I'm not sure if we're establishing an entirely new psychology. It really is just the psychology that happens to be there already. It's just that it was misunderstood or distorted in some way to suit a colonial idea of how Filipinos are supposed to act based on the values of, of foreigners. So it really is just uh, the study of uh, how Filipinos really are, really exploring the cultural nuance of people here. So it's the development really came from uh, people questioning uh, whether we are understood correctly. And the, the job has always been to, to really do that understanding, to do that task of going out and uh, asking questions and putting things into the proper context. Which then, you know, that's a very important debate also in the, within the field. It's that, is, can Filipino psychology, can psychology and Filipino actually be a universal form of psychology? I think the, the idea that a lot of us are playing with, or at least that, that we would like to believe, is that since we are all human beings across the world, then it follows that we have similar or basic foundations in our, in our psyche. Supposedly, I mean, that's the assumption that we have most of the time, especially in um, experimental psychology with the positivist worldview. But here uh, we see that a lot of things that we believe in, a lot of the structures of our minds are also shaped by the context of the culture, the context of people within a specific culture, within a specific place. Uh, and so that's very important. And we're not making a new psychology. We're contributing to the nuance of the understanding of a world psychology. 
if that makes sense. Yeah, that's really nicely put. And I also hear some nuance into uh, interconnectedness in what you are saying. And this also brings me to one of, I think, the core concepts in what Filipino psychology says. And one of those things is that it is inherently transpersonal. Maybe you can tell us a bit about what does that mean, being a transpersonal psychology? Mm, I see. Um, the, the concept of the transpersonal worldview, because uh, when we talk about transpersonal psychology, it also has its own connotations, especially uh, the way it's used in, in other places. But when I'm talking about the transpersonal worldview, it's the notion that the individual self is not limited to the body, but expands and extends outwards to the, to the world. This might not be a worldview that uh, all scholars here share. It might not be, you know, same for everyone. But at least from my perspective, I'm coming from the transpersonal worldview. Transpersonal meaning beyond the person. So not just in the spiritual sense, but also in the cultural sense. The highest, uh, the core value of, uh, of the Filipino personality is what we call kapwa. And kapwa is the, uh, the belongingness of the self to other people. It's a shared identity. So I would say, for example, you are my kapwa and, and my family is my kapwa. My friends are my kapwa. But just beyond uh, those uh, small social circles, I can also consider every Filipino around the world my kapwa. And that's, that, I suppose, is... Uh, goes even beyond that when we say kapwa tao and when we say kapwa tao it's fellow man but what's interesting about this word and going back to what i was saying earlier about how uh, local concepts are misinterpreted is that if you try to translate the word kapwa it becomes other people which really separates the self from from another person when in fact kapwa is you me and and all of us and so that's what we mean when we say transpersonal. We mean that the self is not just limited. The self is not just an island. The self is an island in an archipelago, if that makes sense. Yeah, I like that explanation a lot. Mm. And so since I get that you're very much rooted in the present also, uh, why not let's shift a bit to that part now? Mm -hmm. And you've already hinted a bit that Psychology is also in movement, and psychology uh, and Filipino is. So, what what um, trends are you seeing at the moment that are going on in research and the dialogue as a whole? Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the current uh, status of of Philippine psychology, or or at least the study of the psychology of the Filipinos, we're we're more focused today, if you look at all the research that are coming out and you're following the trends of uh, whatever is going on today, we're focused more on building resilience as much as I don't like the word resilience because it has always been used to um, to wash hands. Uh, we call it hugas uh, kamay. People who probably have power to to. Uh, help other people, and especially during times of calamity and, and climate crises, tend to say that, oh, you know, the Filipino is resilient. And so we see these pictures of smiling Filipinos submerged in flood, and that's not 
that just romanticizes a a very uh, painful experience. But that said, we it is a, also a very important aspect of uh, mental health is that uh, building resilience in terms of dealing with socioeconomic uh, issues, in terms of dealing with the the obstacles of life, especially since the Philippines has a lot of issues with poverty, has a lot of issues with uh, mental health. Uh, these are very important things. And so so that's where I see psychology work today is, is focusing on. It's focusing more on development work, focusing a lot, a lot of advocacy work for sure, a lot of advocacy work. And that's what I always say to people uh, about when they ask about psychology in the Philippines is that I always say that, oh, this field is uh, advocacy work really is about empowering people, uplifting voices, and giving people the, the right structure and suggesting policies to uh, those in power who could implement these well. And so I guess that's where you come into play. And <laughs> I've already uh, lined out your work a little bit in the intro, but maybe you can also talk about what is currently most close to your heart in what you are doing what are you occupying yourself with these days? Mm -hmm. A lot of people are working in various uh, you know, sectors, very important sectors in the country. And uh, a lot of them, you know, I've, I've worked with a, uh, I, I've done research on trauma work and given trainings in gender sensitivity also. And so that part, uh, that, that work is also very important given the, state of discrimination, a lot of uh, gender-based violence in the Philippines. I've also uh, participated in, uh, in doing interviews and assessments of drug rehabilitation programs. And so another thing very important because of the uh, war on drugs also in the, in the country. So all these things, you know, all these things are, are very important as well. But for me uh, personally, another aspect that is that is i suppose in danger of being forgotten is uh, our need to look at uh, indigenous experiences in terms of uh, worldviews and ways of seeing the world during that time uh, when psychology and filipino and a, a lot of uh, the other fields of uh, social science were blooming and it really started to spread its wings in the in in the uh, in this, in the field of Philippine studies, during that time, there was a lot of you know documentation on folklore, on folk practices, on uh, mysterious experiences, spiritual experiences. Um, I suppose what my work does is continuing that very important work as well, and so it touches on identity, decolonization, uh, and a lot of these, a lot of these things that perhaps that are really part of the everyday experience of Filipinos. I mean, it, it's not uncommon to hear, for example, ghost stories or, uh, you know, unexplained phenomena that are still, that still kind of evade, evade the proper explanation, evade um, scientific uh, explanation. And so that part of psychology, that mysterious and magical part of psychology is what it was, is what draws me. And, and what really interests me. There are a lot of studies recently on um, 
revisiting mysterious phenomena. Studies studies on uh, folk healers, for example, folk practitioners. There was a a very interesting study in uh, a few years ago published about spirit possessions in the Philippines. But see, this was the kind of thing that was really occupying a lot of uh, space in the field of psychology back in the eighties, nineties. Uh, you know, all these all this talk about you know folklore, spirit possessions, and how we deal with mental health cases specifically in the Philippine context. For example, how does how do we define mental conditions? Can we actually apply the DSM the DSM definitions of mental disorders to the Filipino experiences of what might be considered mental disorders? Is it the same? Is it uh, is there a different way of seeing things here? So as my work touches on that, on identity, on on mental health, on understanding the psyche, that is uh, just continuing the great work of the people before me. Right. I think a lot of people can relate to that around the world, that nowadays we, we got also interconnected around the world. And at the same time, on one hand, it is really great to have all these opportunities. On the other hand, it's also a great challenge preserving our local identities and uh, knowing who we are. And I want to follow up on, on what... Uh, drives you into that and you already took that kind of away seems so close to your heart uh, why not touch a little more on that and recently i've also written on deep ecology uh, which was a new topic to me maybe also to some of our listeners so why don't you give us an idea about that and why it is important also in your context deep ecology is uh a movement of environmental movement of people going back to their connection with the earth because we've forgotten how connected we are to nature because of this culture that we believe we are separate from the world. And because we feel like we are separate from the world and we are distinct and we have this limited experience, then we are pushed to compete colonized to consume mindlessly and we forget that we are part of a larger system that works perfectly if you don't rush if you just take your time if you just save resources enough for other people but what i just find really funny is that this of course is a western concept uh, the term deep ecology was coined somewhat recently and it's just i think it's funny that this kind of thing is actually very intuitive to a lot of indigenous communities. And <laughs> I, I find it really funny because there's that tendency always to label things that are just natural, you know, ancient wisdom. So I, I wrote this paper on deep ecology and the Filipino spirit world, and really the, the connection there between how we see nature and how we see its spiritual significance is an important aspect of uh, our relationship with the world. For example, we have uh, folk beliefs that if we cross a grassy area, like a forest, we say, tabi tabi po, you know, asking for permission for uh, duendes or the, these little mischievous figures to let us pass. Because if we step on them, we can't see them, but if we step on them, they will give us a, a curse. And this kind of reverential fear, as one of the, as an exorcist said, you know, um, he talked about how 
Filipinos tend to have this reverential fear for these beings that they can't see in nature, that we shouldn't be afraid because we are God's children. But then that exactly, that attitude of reverential fear is exactly the attitude that makes us connected with nature, uh, that, that reminds us that nature is both beautiful and dangerous. And so this has a lot of uh, implications in terms of how we protect biodiversity. Since the Philippines is very well known for its beaches, its mountains, its fields, its natural reserves, a lot of you know beautiful places in the Philippines that we'd like to protect, especially when they are sacred land uh, where indigenous groups live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, that's already a very good introduction, and I think we can all uh, make us a picture of it. Now you're also very active online and physically you have a great outreach in the country so i was wondering how are the public perceptions about these um, conversations that are going on in psychology but also how do people perceive psychology in general in your environment hmm. i i'd like to think that i exist in between the realms of uh, Art and academia. I'd like to think that I'm in between those realms. Uh, and a huge part of psychology really is artistic, especially when it comes to understanding the psyche. A lot of it involves symbols, uh, folklore, mythologies, and so on. Uh, stories, really. Our ability to connect with other people through stories and narrative is a very creative act. Um, when I speak with people in the mental health field, my friends who I talk to who are working in psych clinics, who are working as uh, teachers uh, and so on, they do find it a little strange. And I admit that my work it can be unconventional and somewhat uh, bizarre to a lot of people. Yet, strangely also, it touches on some very real topics that are, are just really part of our culture that you know people don't really think of as much People really don't think that it's actually weird, but if you tell someone who isn't part of the culture about, you know, stories of a third eye of seeing a white lady on a lonely street, you, you know, tell other people about this and they will think, you know, those are, you know, fairy tales or, or stories or just ghost stories, things that aren't exactly true. But to us, it's real. To us, the experience is visceral. And that speaks to a real psychological uh source what is that and that's that one i find really really interesting mm -hmm. and i like that you also go into the practice and application of psychology work uh, just now and i was also wondering how how does it actually look in practice i mean uh, from what it sounds it's still something that is very ingrained in, in a lot of beliefs in uh, filipino people so how do you work with that is there also ways to incorporate these folk beliefs and traditions in the person to person work of course yeah uh before medicine uh modern medicine or came into the country uh, a huge part of the way that we treated uh illnesses were through uh, folk practitioners traditional practice and the interpretation of what an illness was 
especially when it comes to um, mental illnesses, was very different. It's very, very different interpretations. I suppose what it looks like in practice is that, of course, I'm not going to overstep and talk about the medical field because that, of course, has its own very important work. What I'd like to talk about is the mental health field and how we understand uh, illnesses. And in the Philippines, a lot of it, even the people who, even the uh, psychologists who are the therapists who practice today recognize that the uh, Filipino experience is very much connected to the body. Um, and also, so, so illnesses can manifest as physical symptoms. Like, for example, people going into trance and then translating that or interpreting that as a spirit possession. But it's important to, to consider, for example, the idea that in the West, largely, that uh, mental illness is really just the inability to uh, function properly in a capitalist society. So if you're unable to produce, if you're unable to consume, then you are labeled as mentally ill. And so the medicalization of that, uh, you know, these, all these labels that today we see on social media of really just ordinary human experiences makes us more distant from each other. But if you look at mental conditions as it is understood here, uh, there's always the question, you know, the folk diagnosis would always go like this. It would be, uh, who did you offend? What spirit? What, uh, what person did you offend? What kind of magic is, is attacking you? So it's always our connection with other people and our connection with nature. Did we offend a nature spirit? Or did we offend another person because uh, they might have sent some kind of bad, uh, you know, kind of magic done with harmful intentions? And these, these have terms, of course, in, in, uh, in our folk uh, language also. But see, there we see the idea that these conditions must be placed in a proper context, must be placed in the context of community and environment. And so you need understanding that, you know, and, and applying that in practice, using folk practices within the therapeutic space may allow us to touch on to those cultural values, cultural values. Mm, indeed. That um, resonates a lot with me. And I can tell it's also not just the Philippines that is taking such an approach, but I hear that from a lot of countries in which spirituality is um, perceived differently than in the West, which has uh, set out the rules pretty much for a lot of the time in psychology. So before we end the discussion, I would also have an outlook on the future a little bit. And uh, what do you have in mind to push your work forward? Uh, is there something you are approaching uh, or planning? Hmm. The, the job of a researcher, of which I am, I am a, I'm, a, I'm a teacher, I'm a researcher, but the job of the researcher is really to uncover and document a lot of these cultural things. And so I see that as a very important part of safeguarding cultural wisdom. And the task of balancing between uh, you know, protecting sacred wisdom and sharing this wisdom is a very, very delicate um, thing. And navigating that route through more research, through more documentation, by finding more resources that can be explained to a modern audience, not necessarily modernizing in the sense that we apply old things and make it new, but that we bring 
buried things and unearth them and bring them to light, things that we've always known, you know, as fundamental truths to the human experience. So the work continues in terms of research, in terms of discussions like this, uh, in terms of people uh, sharing this wisdom beyond what I share. And so I, I like hearing when, when people find my work and share it with others. Then it's not just uh, not just my work that is shared, but also uh, they find some connection to cultural wisdom that they've always known, they've just forgotten, you know? And uh, what else is in, in store in the future, I suppose? Um, yeah, the work continues in this space. And wherever it goes and however it lands to other people, I just hope that I'm able to give people a space to explore and find themselves where they are. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think getting in touch with new voices and ideas is always the best thing you can do in order to um, prevail and uh, move on to new fields. And maybe also in a more uh, general view, uh, where do you see psychology going as a whole, uh, maybe on a Filipino perspective, but also on a broader global perspective? these kinds of views and other kinds right. uh, of approaches to it, can mm. they find their way into mainstream psychology? I'm seeing that a lot of, because uh, I, I don't just limit myself to psychology as a part of the social sciences. I look at, in general, the social sciences. And I'm seeing a lot of work uh, being done that questions a lot of wildly held beliefs by local scholars. So, so now you see, it started with the Americans coming in and trying to interpret our experiences for us. Now the local scholars questioned that and said, no, I'm, I'm, we're going we're gonna to define ourselves. And so they questioned the American uh, concept of us and started to explain our own concepts to other people. Now I think we've gone to the point that we question them. We question the local scholars. Are we being inclusive? Are we representing the right voices? Are we actually giving enough new ones? And so there's already that concept of, for example, uh, stuff that I've been reading lately that have been published recently uh, just in the past year or, yeah, just in the past year was that, for example, there's this concept of the subtle creation of a dichotomy between urban and rural that has always been within the field of psychology, for example, especially Philippine psychology, that there, there are studies done in urban settings and there are studies done in rural settings. And that has never been questioned until now that we're asking, so what does that imply when you say they're from rural settings? What does that imply when you say they're from urban settings? And so urban usually implies uh, educated, elite, you know, uh, traditional, Christian, Uh, a lot of lowland uh, applications. But then when you talk about rural, then you know there's a different implication altogether. So a lot of these things that have been widely held as accurate and connected to the Philippine culture are being questioned. Concepts such as the singularity of what a Filipino is instead of considering the multitude of, of uh, ethnic uh, experiences across the archipelago. And now we're focused more on the individual within a context instead of the whole thing within the individual. Uh, and I think what, what I find exciting is that in the future, we're going to start looking at more perspectives and finding more nuance within um, 
a post-colonial era, after all that history, finding ourselves uh, moving forward with the knowledge that the scholars before us have given us to think about. And now it's just really enriching ourselves, revisiting, reviewing, re-imagining uh, what the Filipino might be. And that's just exciting. Right, right. It definitely is. Uh, thank you so much for all the insight you have provided uh, here with me. Uh, we have already reached the end of this episode. I'm so thankful for having you on. And if anybody listening got uh, excited about what you're doing and wants to know more about it, how can they best find you? Right. Uh, you can find me online uh, through Sikodiwa. Sikodiwa is S-I-K-O-D-I-W-A, Sikodiwa. It really is just psikologia at diwa, which is psychology and uh, psyche. So just find that name or find me, find my name. My work is published in, in different places, uh, websites, in uh, journal articles. So if you can also look at those and just read read the stuff that are out there. I also like collecting resources. So if you're able to find my collection of resources, you'll be able to see publicly available linked academic literature on, on that. And you can start your journey as well. That sounds great. So thank you, Carl, for being on and sharing all your insights with us. And thanks to everyone for listening all the way through. If you want to know more about the Filipino psychology, I'll make sure to link to Carl's resources. And if you want to hear from other perspectives around Asia, make sure to check out the first episode if you haven't already and wait patiently for the next one coming up in two weeks in which I'll talk about partner violence in Sri Lanka with another expert. Until then, I wish you have a wonderful time and bye bye.